Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a Kessler's production. In this episode, I chat with Mo Ali Haydapur. Mo is a soccer content creator and soccer trainer. You can find his content on Instagram and all social media platforms at Mo Ali FC. With over 600,000 followers on Instagram, incredible content, and a passion for the game, we just had to spend some time chatting about his stories, business, and creativity. Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. I noticed you on LinkedIn a while ago and was completely drawn to your content. I remember sharing it with my son. My son's a teenager and he's been playing the keeper position for a few years now. And I grew up playing soccer, but when I was growing up, not that long ago, right? But fascinated by the potential growth of the sport in the States. And then also fascinated by the culture around the sport worldwide. I think there's a huge opportunity. I know obviously you see that with just the length of the games, the branding that's done in-game, just the way the game's played. And if once you develop that appreciation for that sport, it goes to another level. Hockey's another sport that I grew up in. Obviously, you, you were around in Toronto as well. That if you don't understand the game, people are like, I don't understand it. But when you go to a live hockey game, there's something about it, the speed of the game and kids love it. So there's just part of a culture. I, I, there's similar cultures going on with those sports in their own way, of course. But when you find someone who's got a passion for that sport, soccer, football, that passion is unmatched, I think, than any other sport that's out there. And no wonder it's worldwide as it is. And, and I think there's a huge potential here in the United States. So saw your content, obviously found you on Instagram started following you there. I remember mentioning my son, do you follow Mo? And he's like, of course I do. Everyone follows him. And he was saying one of the things is he didn't say it like this, but I know you do this, expands his mind. And just, I want to try some of those drills. What great ideas those are. And they're on the beach and it's like, you could be anywhere with a ball. So anyway, I'm really excited. I appreciate it. I know you're super busy. I appreciate you spending any time with me whatsoever. It's an honor to chat with you. You too. Finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. But no, it's how it goes. And you know, we're dealing with something serious right now that the world's I don't think's ever seen worldwide. But I was reading as I was thinking about our conversation today, I was reading some articles and, and came across an article, and I think it was at least a few years ago, it was on Urban Pitch. And there was a part of this article because we create a lot of content here at Sportsypreneur. And obviously you create a ton of content and you don't just create content, you're going to create the content. You're on the move constantly early on you were getting on a bus ride for six hours there and six hours back to film a short video of you training someone to do it. Why would you get on a bus for six hours when there wasn't the possibility that that's going to lead to anything, especially any possible transaction with money involved? Yeah, for sure. So at the time, I was actually playing professionally in Slovakia. So... I think we had one off day, one or two off days. And I just found some filmer who could film there in Slovakia. It's not like 
not too many people there doing that stuff at the time. And so I hit him up. He wanted to record for me. So I said, okay, my next off day, I'm going to travel there. And he came out. I think I had to take, yeah, the six-hour bus. And it was crazy through the mountains. But <laughs> at the time, I think I knew like YouTube was going to be a big platform, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential. So even at the time where I had nothing and there was nothing to work for, I saw like the value to put in time to grow the platform out. So you just took the opportunity to say, I see something here. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but let's go take something and make this happen. What year was that? That was around three, four years ago, maybe 2016, 2017. Okay. So you get on the bus, you go on this long journey, you create this content, you gather the content, you come back. Again, there's nothing there to say this is going to lead to anything. You just had this, you were playing this long game. You had this vision of what could possibly happen. And like you said, you were still playing the game. I also saw in there, and this hit home with me because you love the sport and you want soccer, football to be in your life every single day, whether you're playing, doing something around it. Was that what got you on the bus? ultimately to go do that, to say, I just want to be around this game no matter what I'm doing? Yeah, for sure. I was thinking also other ways, you know, playing's good, but it's not always going to be there. And so you have to think of other business ideas too as you're playing. I think a lot of good creators have done the same, like 4-3-3 Baller. They were ex-players. And then after they stopped playing, they started a business. So there was a lot of views and traction on YouTube. So a lot of opportunity, you know, if people are watching, there's going to be money involved and other stuff. And just throughout this, it's a lot of patience. So you got to build maybe 100 videos, hoping that you might grow bigger. But it just depends. It's up to you, you know, if you make good content, you're going to grow. But I like that it's up to you. And it's not like you can't blame anyone else if you're not doing good. Does the game help you out? Could you just use that word patience? And I think there's something about what we were talking about earlier about just this game. And a lot of people will watch the game and like they're bored because the ball doesn't even go very far and there's no opportunities for goals. But the person that truly understands the game understand there's a lot happening on the pitch that it takes a lot of patience. You can't force the issue. I Last year, I was watching a lot of games right in the Premier League and you're watching Man City and they'd be down a goal or they'd be tied. And you would think they got to hurry up and they got to get one on net. And they're just passing it. They're patient. They're, and then sure enough, inevitably what happens, they put one in the back of the net. Do you see that patience of the game that you grew up loving applying to what you're doing in the business world now and creating content? Yeah, for sure. A lot of stuff you learn throughout the game it helps you in life too. Just the mentality, you know, like there's always going to be hard times and you just got to go through it. You can't give up easy and you need a lot of patience. Some games you might not start or you might have an injury. So you need patience and focus to get over that moment. That transition that you were talking about before that, you know, this game could end for multiple reasons. One, maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you get hurt. Maybe the team makes a decision. That's not the right decision, but it's their decision. They get to decide who's on their team and who's not. But that transition that you're talking about is something I know a lot of athletes deal with. We've talked to a lot of them and some of them have done it on time and other ones didn't realize it until after 
their playing days were over. When you go and you train with these athletes and you're training with them every single day, do you have conversations? Are they asking you questions about things that they could be doing to get themselves ready? Because you're training them on the game, but are they also asking you questions on the transition to life after sport? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of players see now what I've done after playing and they're thinking the same. So they're trying to grow their social media platforms, start their clothing lines, stuff like that on the side. And they're definitely interested, you know? Yeah. Because it's something new for them also. They're always like focused training, but sometimes it's good to focus on other stuff because you can't be serious all the time. So you need to be relaxed sometimes and do some other stuff. Now you're going around like we're talking about creating content. You're training these players. I mean, travel expenses, expenses of creating content, a lot of time involved with it. The ways that you generate revenue for yourself, is it through those training sessions? Is it a combination of that, influencer marketing, sponsorships, and those types of deals? What is the way you're generating revenue for your business? Yeah, so there's three main ways of generating revenue. I think our main one is the sponsorships from the videos. So brands like Puma, Adidas, they would pay just to wear their clothes in the video or do some events. And then our second uh, revenue, we have like our own private agency for players and we help them grow their social media. And then our third platform is actually we launched two, three months ago. It's a shoe bag. It's just for your boots, a shoe bag to carry around. And we give it to all the players we work with. They help promote it. So it's growing slowly. But that's our three main ways. Uh, It's very clear. And that makes a lot of sense. So I would imagine because you're showing up, you're training the player and you build a relationship with them. You're taking pictures. You can tell that there's something, there's like a no like trust there that's going on because you see it in the video. It's very telling. It comes across the screen when I'm watching that, that they're enjoying this time with you. They're smiling. They're working hard they in turn then want to talk to you more like we just talked about and obviously want more of it. How can I work with you more, Mo? And and one way to do it is it sounds like through that private agency, hey, let us help you grow your brand. Let us make connections for you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's just a lot of opportunities because players want to do different stuff, academies, training programs, all that stuff. So it's a good collab and they want to learn more because they're focused on playing. So they need someone to help them out about trends and social media, what it is. Most of them don't know LinkedIn or YouTube and stuff like that. Well, YouTube, they know, but like TikTok and other stuff. Yeah, it's all changing. It's fast. So the word opportunity you just used, there's opportunity in all these things, no different than you getting on a bus. You saw something, you had this vision, you saw this opportunity, you went out there with no guarantee of anything. And in the business world, as you've seen it, the word ROI, return on investment is thrown out there to say with content creation, so much of it is like, well, Mo, if I were to ask you that bus ride and that trip, like what was your ROI on that bus trip? You know, I could answer for you probably like, well, that wasn't the idea. The idea was I saw this opportunity. I saw this vision, this time and energy, like what's my ROI on the bus ride? It's exponential. I, I don't know what it is. And so much of content, so many people are looking at content as saying, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't know if I can calculate my ROI on that thing. When people say that, or if you've heard that before, like, what do you say in response to that? Yeah, I think you got to just plan it out and have a good plan to see what's worth it and not. I think a lot of people are just maybe money focused or fast results. 
they might be like, oh, I want to grow quick in one month, be traveling, doing this. But they don't understand that to reach that level, you have to go through a lot of hard work and put in time and effort. And hopefully it might work out. You always have to work like it might never work. But if it does, then that's your reward. Yeah. That's well said. I think that's right. I think, you know, you see people that are creating videos and they want to return on that video immediately or not even immediate. It doesn't have to be that extreme. It could be at some other level that you have to put in the effort, you have to put in the time. And and I would imagine we're talking about how you're helping a lot of other people out. Do you feel like you're learning a ton by the interactions you're having, the different training sessions you're having, the different content that you're creating? Are you then helping yourself and thus helping the people down the road that you're going to be helping? That makes sense? Yeah, for sure. I think we have a lot of experience now because we've been to so many countries and clubs, work with players from all different leagues. So we see stuff that some players are doing and some are not, maybe at the top level, how coaches are at top clubs and lower clubs, just how clubs operate. You were talking about the different clubs that you get to spend time with. You're, you're learning how they operate. And then you can take little bits and pieces, I would imagine, from the club, from the players, from different training sessions and apply it to the things that you're going to be doing down the road, right? Yeah. Obviously, once you've started and you've then had conversations or online conversations, you started doing some training sessions with certain players because like you said, you're, you're training with clubs all over the world, some of the top clubs in the world. How are you getting those let's say, training sessions? How are you saying, this athlete, I'm going to show up at this time and here's how it's going to be. How are they saying yes to you? And obviously it was harder probably earlier on. Now it's you're probably coveted and they want to bring you in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now it's a lot easier. A lot of players reach out to us or we find them. But in the beginning, it was just a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Maybe message 20 players. One player wants to do a training. And we do it and slowly build on that. Other players have more connections and then they help us out after they see and they like the training. And I think that helped us a lot, just growing from nothing, starting off in the US with MLS players and then slowly going to Europe. And then the other way is through sponsors. So once we got a bit bigger, like Umbro, for instance, sponsored us, we went to Schalke and a few other teams. So then the sponsors would set up three, four players per team. We would go and do it and then just promote the brand. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a, a win all the way around. If Umbro can get you in front of players and you're wearing their gear, right? And it's no different than I'm having this conversation with you right now. Someone who I was fascinated by on LinkedIn and Instagram, and there's a way to reach out to them. And I think if it's done genuinely and you can have a conversation and respect their time and all those different things and have an engaging conversation, it can lead to more things. And you have those conversations. Next thing you know, the players or the people that you want to connect with are reaching out. And, and it still has to stay genuine because the next time you show up and do a poor job, well, that word's going to get out there. It only takes one. Yeah, for sure. So your training sessions, we see clips of them on these different platforms. You know, you're across all social media. And I'll see a clip, say 30 seconds or a couple minutes or what have you. When you're training with that player, how long typically are your sessions? Yeah, so normally to get through one video that you would see on Instagram, it's normally one and a half, two hours. We train with the player. And this is something new also for media. Because for instance, if you're reporting media or news media or commercial, you would only get players maybe for 30, 40 minutes. Right. But I think what we built, the players like it so much. 
they want to do it themselves, you know? They stay two, three hours if they have to, <laughs> just to get it nice, because they know other teams and players will see also. Yeah, that's a fascinating point, is that this content's going to go out and it's going to be seen by so many people. You have such a large following, just let's say on Instagram, that, like you said, all sorts of people in all in and around the world of soccer are going to see that. And that could help them out in ways that they didn't even understand. I mean, I think that's a key component of content. Sometimes you don't know what that side benefit is going to be. Like you have those three things that you're talking about. It's very focused, but I'm sure you know that you could be reached out to to say, hey, Mo, we want you to come in and speak to our club. We want you to give a motivational speak about why you need to train, why you need to film yourself and all those different things. And and going on your YouTube and the content creation and you getting on the bus and doing all of that, there's a thing that I've... It's not... I didn't come up with this concept, but it's talent stacking. So when you take your skill in one and you stack it with something else, and perhaps that stack can get bigger and bigger and bigger, you become so unique in what it is that you can offer. So obviously, you have a background with soccer, and then you're also good with training other people. So you, I'm sure you've seen it. A lot of players aren't necessarily great trainers. They're not great coaches. Well, you have a skill in training. Well, from what I understand, you got a camera at one point. And I would imagine it sounds like that that camera was something that you were fascinated by where you wanted to film more, where other people get a camera, they're like, I don't even know what to do with it. How do I even hit, turn, take a picture, take a video? There's a stack there. Have you ever thought about it like that to say, I'm good at soccer, I'm good at training, I'm good with people. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, I'm good with a camera now. I can do a lot with this. Is that kind of what was going through your mind a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think around... 16 or 15, I got my first camera and I was just thinking, what can I do with this? <laughs> so I started playing around with it, took photos, and then slowly started to do videos. And I think that's where the fascination came in, just picking up a camera, playing around with it. And then that turned into some creative thoughts and then slowly grew bigger and bigger. Yeah. Did you buy the camera? Did someone gift you the camera? think it was a birthday present yeah <laughs> it was the sony alpha 55 i think if i remember but it was nice at the time nice lens yeah so i used it for maybe two weeks put it to the side and then after one month picked it up again and then started doing more the rest is history <laughs> yeah so all the content you're creating is that I mean, obviously, you're a part of the process. Do you have a team of people now? Like, how many people are part of Mo's team? Yeah, normally two or three, mostly just two. So, me and my other friend from Boston, he helps out a lot. He does all the filming, editing, helping grow the football base that we sell. So, it's just two of us mostly, but some trips we have three, four if it's a bigger trip. Okay. So, we have two editors or stuff like that, but yeah. mostly just two people, me and one other person. So small team. Yeah. Well, and you can keep it, you know, exactly what you want and you can do it that way. So yeah. going back, we've talked a lot about your obvious passion for soccer. I've read about how at age five, you started loving the sport because of your grandfather's garage, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so was there just a soccer ball there or was it big in your culture to say, this is the game. This is the game we love. And you had something for it. And, and like, what drew you to that sport? Yeah, I think I was born in Iran. So over there is a lot of street soccer. And everyone has these plastic balls. I think they're like 25 cents. 
So you just start off with that. Everyone plays on the street. You buy like five of these 25 cent balls and just layer them so it's heavy. And then you just play in the street. But I think since my grandpa was also a player, he was always watching games and stuff. So I was fascinated by that. And I always asked them to teach me. But I mean, he was old, so he couldn't do much, just speak. <laughs> but and then, yeah, just slowly growing. And then my cousin's grandpa, they, he was an architect of one of the stadiums in Iran. So every once in a while, we got access to the stadium when we were young, like five. And we just got to go kick around in the stadium. So I think that was when it first started. You develop that passion very young age when you have someone who's consuming the sport and helping you with it. And obviously you looked up to your grandpa in that way. And you know, you talked about street soccer and obviously here in America, the growth is incredible. The youth club leagues, but it's very expensive sport, right? These club seasons go for a full season. Then you have this confusion with high school soccer, which is almost like a different sport now. And even at the highest level on the DA side, you're not even allowed to play high school soccer. And there's just a lot of confusion and, and where do you want to play and what's the style of play that you have? But, you know, kind of backing it up a little bit for you, soccer, you know, someone who's maybe early in high school and even younger than that. One of the things that I've noticed in talking to people around the world about this sport is that the best ones consume it. And it's in it, whatever sport, basketball and football, it doesn't matter, football, American football, that you just consume it. You play it all the time. You play it in every different variation that you can play it on, whether it's on the street or on the field or in your garage or in your bedroom. And you're consuming the sport. So you're watching Mo's Instagram videos. You're watching NBC Sports here in America. And you can watch the Premier League every Saturday and Sunday morning. What advice do you have for young players? There's a lot of pressure on them. I mean, specifically, I'm talking about America right now, you know, because I know it's different in different countries. But like, what advice would you have for young athletes that are fascinated by this game? Yeah, I think young athletes at a young age, just try and find your passion in the sport. Don't give up and don't listen to anyone trying to push you out of the way or bully you. And I think try and learn and watch some of the best players in the world, how they move like how they control a ball, just small basics. I think one of the big things was like going to my first match in the stadium, just seeing how players use their body in a game, you know? Like long ball comes in, they touch it and move. So I think it's important to watch a lot of matches too, of high-level games, just to learn from the best. And I think just try and get better and do stuff faster. The better you get, try and take your drills much faster try and work 100 percent like don't go into training joking or i know a lot of kids they come it's like their friends time they go into training they're just joking around but i think the best facilities are where it's focused all the kids want to improve and just go to the next level you mentioned something you use the word bullying and there's a lot of aspects around that and mental health and being pushed around because it's a complicated game in sports in general I could look at my son who's a keeper. I could look at any position. I could look at when there's PKs and I've seen kids put it over the net and they burst into tears. And there's all these situations that happen and you feel like sometimes you've let your team down. Now there's a lot going on in the sports community, which I'm really excited about. Like you have the heads up campaign going on, Prince William's involved with it. You know, the Premier League, they talk about it before the games and they're not even talking about the game per se. They're talking about what's going on at home. And we've touched on that in this podcast in the past, but it develops at a young age because again, like as a keeper, 
it had to get through 10 other people to get to you and then the ball can go in the net and it's everyone sees it and you're defending this huge area and you're like, good luck with that, right? But you said it because don't let anyone do it. It's easier said and it's harder to execute. My guess is being surround yourself with the right people, consume content like you're creating Mo and other people like that. But touch on that a little bit, if you would, just about the mental health aspect and what you see because you're talking to these athletes on a daily basis. Yeah, I think mental health has grown a lot now. Like it's much better than it was before back in the day. I know a lot of older players, like when they were playing, no one could express their emotions or anything because everyone was supposed to be strong. But I think now players are open more. There's a lot of help you can get as a player, psychological coach, because it's important to train your brain also and be in the right mindset. There's one psychologist I knew. He worked with a lot of players, like moved them from third league to the Premier League just by mental thinking, you know, working with them a lot. And I think as a kid, you need to know that it's not the end of the world. If you lose a game or something, you just have to learn. So just think if you lose or make a mistake, don't get mad at yourself. Just think what you can do better next time. And try and record your games also, see some mistakes. So yeah. Yeah, the mental thinking component where I've heard from athletes say they've watched players much better than them not make it because they didn't have that mental component where some of the better players, like you just said, that made it to the Premier League was because they were thinking through things. They had the mental side. They worked at the mental side. It didn't just come naturally to them. They worked at it. And some of the better players didn't make it. And they did because of that. I think a good experience when I was growing up, it was the Canadian Soccer League, but it was sanctioned by FIFA. But then the league went out after. But we had a team, maybe 10 Croatian, Serbian, Bosnians. So this team was one of the craziest teams I played for. Because <laughs> everyone, all game, they just yelled at each other, <laughs> training. And there was a lot of stress, you know? But I think under that environment, I grew maybe two, three times better as a player just because you can handle stress better. Like some days you don't want to play because it's just too much stress, but you learn so much in the long run. I think it's worth it. And I think maybe in countries like Canada, US, like a coach cannot yell at a player like crazy, like the European guys. But I think sometimes it's good. No, I think it's important that you brought that up because we see that a lot because it is challenging and, and sometimes you can't control the environment perfectly and you're going to have players that there's a lot of blame going around, a lot of yelling going around. And you just said it. It's like, how can you learn from it? Again, very easy to talk about, very harder to execute on. And I think a lot of kids are going through these different... I've witnessed my son on different teams and or different clubs and in some clubs, it's like, wow, what a great atmosphere it is. And then you look at this other one like, wow, this is really toxic. But there are things you can still take away from that toxic club if you, you got to stay above it a little bit and use it like you just said to learn from. At least that's what we're trying to do as parents. And the last thing I want to touch on, unless there's something else you're going to say on that. No, but I have one example. Yeah, please. So I know this one coach, he's a UEFA licensed coach. And he came to Canada. He coached the U16, U17 team. And I think they were maybe eighth or ninth place, close to last. And he came in, like I said, these players would come in joking training. Like they would do the drills, maybe 80%. And so he really like made them strict and tough enough. But two weeks, the parents hated this coach. 
because he was like pushing the players, telling them stuff. And it was hard for the kids also. But after two weeks, they started winning all the games and they finished first in the league. <laughs> so <laughs> just a uh, funny story. <laughs> no, it is. It's funny because at a totally different level, I'm watching my son and he, his coach is from France and he played for the French national team. And you know, he comes in, he's got a very heavy accent. Sometimes he's hard to understand. He gets on them. And he gets frustrated when they don't play the style he's playing. And, and they would get it. You could tell the team's a little bit down. When my son comes back, he's like, I really like this coach. I was like, well, why do you like him? He's like, because he tells us when we're not doing right. And then when we listen to him, it's clear that it works. Like he's got this respect for him, but he had to go through a first few weeks to like, he's not crazy. He actually knows what he's talking about. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So if we listen to him, things could work out. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you know, give an yeah, example. For sure. It's good. A good mix, you know, yes. not always yelling, but some, he's got to encourage the players and tell them what they do right. Also, you know? yeah, right now we're dealing with and, you know, as we record this and a lot of the stuff, the content we create, we want it to last. But there's no doubt there's a challenge going on around the world. Something like we've never seen, like we said at the very beginning, this coronavirus. And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic. And, you know, I don't think we're sitting here to, to judge what people do or don't do and how they feel about this. But Challenges arise, whether it's a coronavirus or something totally different. You can't get somewhere because the weather's bad or you're not feeling good or you have something that you're dealing with at home. But as we were connecting and we're going through this process to get on the phone, you've been dealing with some issues to deal that. And, and as have we, we've gone remote work here in the Carolinas. But there's also an opportunity in this time. Like We're not downplaying the significance of this at all. But I don't see you stopping for a second. I don't see myself stopping for a second. As long as we can continue to go and create and do work and do great things, we're going to continue to do this. But I also see people that might not do it. They're not going to take advantage of this opportunity. Do you see it? Again, we're not downplaying the significance of this, but do you see this opportunity that when you're working and you're working hard and you notice some people might not be doing it, this is an opportunity for you and for your team and for the people that you're working with to say, we can even be better for this if we really put our heads down and get to work. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great time for us also because now the leagues have stopped. So players are free every day. So it's a good time to work with players every day where you couldn't get that in the season. But also we stay careful, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just shoot the training and then go home and sleep or just rest. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, you're taking advantage of it. Well, I, again, like I said before, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. I know you're bouncing around this world and we love your content. Please keep creating it. We're going to keep watching it. I hope we can stay connected. What's the best way? Obviously, we've talked about Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok and all these things, but what's the, if someone wants to start, where should they start and connect with you? I think if you're starting now, definitely two main platforms, Instagram. And I would start TikTok now because I want years it's gonna be like instagram everyone's gonna have it i think so still fairly new but i know a lot of the older guys they won't get tiktok yet but i think in one two years they'll all get it also just like instagram yeah and what's your handle those are the two spots what's your handle on those platforms username is the same moali fc okay for all the social accounts facebook youtube tiktok all the same that's excellent. Well, we'll definitely direct people there. I would encourage anyone, even if you're not a fan of the game and but you just want to learn to expand your mind. Because I think there's a lot there. I think I talk about creativity a lot. And I think in business, for example, we can get caught in the mundane task. You get, but creativity, I think just 
makes even those tasks seem better, you know, more riveting perhaps, because you're expanding your mind a little bit. And I'll ask that to you. I mean, do you see that when you're going out there and you're being creative, the creativity actually helps you because it's just putting you maybe in a better place mentally? Yeah, for sure. I think the possibility is endless. So all day you can come up with new ideas. There's so much that's not been done. So I think being creative is something that keeps you focused and makes you keep going. That's it. Well, Mo, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate the time and the stories and just your background and everything that you're doing. We just say, keep creating, man. Thanks, Eric. One of my favorite things about our Sports Epreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Mm-hmm.